everybody. It's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, April 23rd, 2017, Spring Flings. <laughs> it is spring fling season in Genoa City. We had so many unexpected dates and kisses and hookups <laughs> this week. We had Ashley and Ravi being all cute in New York, and we had Phyllis and Billy being all hot and sexy in Genoa City. We had Sharon and Scott at the movies. It's just, it, it was kind of a neat little twist of a spring is in the air. Everyone's coming out wanting to discover budding new romances, uh, and I loved it. I think we need to start out this week with a poll so that you guys can tell me who your favorite new couple of the week was. Did you love Sharon and Scott or Billy and Phyllis or Ashley and Ravi? Who, uh, those are my nominations for the, the three hottest couples of the week. You can go to yrchat.com and tell me which one of those was your favorite. Um... I'm not going to lie, I would probably have to vote for Ashley and Ravi. <laughs> so... I'm going to save that one for last uh, uh, for, for YNR chat this week. I would say my second favorite would have to be Billy and Phyllis. <laughs> and then Sharon and Scott, not really to be uh, outdone here. I mean, I'm, I think I'll start there because even though Scott has yet to win me over, he nudged me in his general direction this week. And I'll tell you why. I, I like that. Scott sees Sharon as the woman that she is right now, not for the woman who she's been in the past. Sharon comes with a lot of baggage, and Scott seems to see her in a new way, and I like that about him. I like that he is not viewing her through the lens of everyone else in Genoa City. He seems to respect her. He seems to appreciate that she is a smart, beautiful woman, and he invites her out on an adult date. I thought that was really great for Sharon. She here's This is a woman who, she's been a mother for all of these years. She's used to watching animated films, and she's, you know, devoting her life to her children. I mean, she, I don't even want to know what life with Faith is like as a child, <laughs> but Sharon has done it. And here Scott is saying, let's go out to see a French film. Let's do something a little different. Let's let's treat treat each other as if we are adults uh, and individuals instead of um, you know mothers to to our children or you know whatever other um, uh, labels that we end up you know getting put on us. So I thought it was great that these are just two people enjoying a French film at the theater in Genoa City, having some popcorn. They're being cute, chitty chatting in the front row, and then all of a sudden we hear Sharon. Coming from the background, it's Mariah and Kevin sitting back there at the exact same film. Who knew? <laughs> Mariah has 
dragged Kevin out to a French film to try to get his mind off of the mess that is Chloe. And uh, she's not expecting to see her mother there out on a date. Mariah was shocked, <laughs> to say the least. And she was ready to pounce on Sharon to get all of the details of this new relationship. Does anybody else think that Mariah comes off more like Sharon's mom <laughs> than like her daughter? It's Mariah almost had this vibe about her as though she was concerned about this new boy that her mother was dating. <laughs> Later, um, they went, uh, all of them, oh, except for Kevin, went to the coffee house, and I was expecting for Mariah to start grilling Scott about what his intentions are toward her mother. <laughs> uh, there's just, Mariah is far more mature beyond her age, but it all, it all went really well. I mean, Scott is, a, is such a, he's such a, a gentleman. He was helping Sharon to bust the tables, and he just, he, he see, I like that he treats her well. It's less about Scott for me and more about Sharon. Uh, that's, I think, what I liked most about this coupling for the week. I was just, you know, waiting for Sharon to, like, flip her hair at Mariah flippantly and say to her, Look, Mom, we're taking it slow, okay? Even Reed got some unexpected action this week. Um, I, I love that YNR has not only built this movie theater set, but they're using it for several different couples. Uh, Kendall, the, the dark-haired, creepy girl <laughs> uh, who is lurking around Reed's life, has used Zoe's phone, Reed's girlfriend's phone, to lure him to a movie date. So Reed goes to the movies expecting to see his girlfriend and Kendall shows up instead. Well, okay. I mean, she's really taking it to the next level here. They're sitting there in the movie watching From Here to Eternity. That was really cool that YNR showed that. Can we just talk about that for a second? I, we've never seen a, a, a picture within a picture before. I wonder if it was because um, I wonder if that film is by Sony Pictures or I wonder if they own the rights to that film and so it was okay to show it. But just from a creative standpoint, it's not unusual for us to have maybe been at a movie theater. Like for instance, when we went to the opera, I suppose just to compare it. But I liked that it wasn't just us, us watching the characters on the screen. We were actually seeing what the characters were watching, and that in turn helped us see why they were reacting the way that they were reacting. It was it was like breaking the wall that's usually in between the viewer and the uh, the scene. It was I just thought that was a really cool little camera trick, and just another instance of the many ways that YNR is doing a beautiful job of drawing us into this world. And I think in this instance, it was supposed to show us the romance of the movie, uh, which caused Kendall to become so overwhelmed that she just looks over at Reed and plants a big old kiss on him, which, by the way, he, he was kissing back, <laughs> just in case anybody's thinking this is, you know, Reed being uh, totally duped here. There was a moment where that boy was kissing back. <laughs> I mean, I suppose 
was, uh, I, who could blame him? I mean, a beautiful girl kisses you. I guess you got to go with it. But he's embarrassed. I'm sure he's embarrassed. He went with it in the moment. But as soon as his, he gets his head about him, he realizes it was a mistake. They both agree not to tell Zoe, but we all know that this was set up by Kendall. I mean, this is like an advanced level creepy girl move for her age. I don't, they're in high school and she's pulling off this elaborate stunt. This girl, she's got like Sheila written all over her. She could be the Sheila of the future or something. She's, she's a little manipulator. Um, speaking of manipulations and of the movie theater uh, during the Sharon and Scott Mariah Kevin uh, uh, film fest we'll say uh, Tessa was also caught by Mariah sneaking into the French film that they were watching. Um, Tessa is having a great week. She's 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 getting pushed out front a little bit more. Nikki asks her to become her assistant for the Better Days Foundation Gala, which I hope we end up getting to see. You know I love a gala. Uh, Tessa accepts, of course, and... There's this moment between them as Tessa is accepting Nikki's job offer where Tessa really seemed to have a genuine moment of admiring Nikki, of realizing that she could be like Nikki someday, if, if, if you know, possibly. She realizes that Nikki wasn't always the wealthy socialite that she is today. Nikki was an exotic dancer. <laughs> I mean, I liked that that was addressed. And Honestly, this is probably a weird thing to even pick up on, but for me, I liked that I think for probably the first time ever or in a long time, someone brought up Nikki's exotic dancing days and didn't put it in a negative light. It wasn't, yeah, Nikki, she used to be a stripper, and then Victor pulled his diamond out of the rough and made her a, a, a rich, beautiful, wealthy woman. It wasn't that. It was, she was an exotic dancer, and... Tessa thought it was kind of cool. She even put it into a modern context of saying, you know, burlesque is big right now. And it is. I mean, if, if we took uh, what Nikki was doing, I don't think she was getting nude. I don't, I, I don't, I wasn't watching at that time, of course, but I don't think she was a nude dancer. So what Nikki was doing was maybe a little bit more artful. I guess I never thought of it that way because anytime anyone brings it up, it's, oh yeah, Nikki's an ex-stripper. But I liked that I was thinking of it now in, in a modern term of if she was doing it today, it wouldn't even be that big of a deal. It would probably be in, in some way almost considered just kind of like um, like chic in a way or, you know, like or just, I don't know, maybe not chic, but I mean, you know, like interesting, an interesting facet of her character. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was kind of a, a neat little moment. But there's this bubbling beneath the surface with Tessa's character. She's got some kind of secret. She's always on the phone, or we've seen her make several phone calls to some unnamed person, um, and I'm guessing that showing Tessa sneaking into the movie theater was supposed to show that she's shady? I, I don't know. I didn't, I don't, I don't consider that too shady, or at least that she's able, she's, she's willing to bend the rules or something. I don't know. I, I think that 
even if Tessa is shady, I think they're setting it up so that she can be redeemed or maybe she wants to change her life. Maybe she was shady and now she wants to be uh, on the up and up. Maybe she wants to change her life and pursue new opportunities, um, get a record, you know, an actual record deal. And, and maybe she wants to, you know, start to hobnob with the rich people in Genoa City. I like Tessa's vibe. I think she could be a really fun addition to the cast, but everyone is questioning why Nikki is so trusting when it comes to Tessa. Why hasn't Nikki run a background check? Why isn't Nikki asking questions about her? And I kind of wonder if there's an element for Nikki of seeing a little bit of herself in this scrapper girl. It kind of almost reminds me of when Catherine discovered Mackenzie. Of course, Mackenzie ended up uh, being her granddaughter. I don't, we didn't know that at the time, but it, you know, and it's not an, you know, totally uncommon trope. You see it on Bold and the Beautiful. I think uh, Stephanie had kind of discovered Daisy. You know, I mean, you kind of, you see the wealthy woman sort of taking on an ingenue uh, in, 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 and I, th- I, I kind of wonder if that's what it is for Nikki. I think maybe Nikki is realizing that she's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. She sees a little something in this girl and maybe it's a little bit of a mirror to a younger version of herself. Nikki is hurt. She is angry and she is trying to take control of her life for once instead of letting life run over her. She's trying to take control of her life and she's lashing out a lot. She took that picture of her and Victor that's beautifully framed on the piano and she just takes it and throws it against the wall and it crushes into a million pieces on the floor. Uh, She had a moment, I can't remember who she was talking to, maybe it was Nick, Uh, but she said, I thought Victor had changed. That was her, in general, kind of belief that her husband, yes, has done some bad things, but now he's turned a new leaf. And the thing that's not quite connecting with me is that maybe he did. Everything that the family is mad about with Victor right now is something that he did in the past. It doesn't mean that he didn't mean everything he said about changing. I am not trying to take away that the family feels disgusted by Victor or even that on some level they feel betrayed, but why does that wash away everything that came after? He still was, you know, they have, Nikki and Victor have been enjoying the life, the sweet life of retirement together, and that doesn't, you know, it, it, It shouldn't necessarily be forgotten or erased, but Nikki is erasing it in her mind. I'm not sure exactly why she has chosen this to be the gauntlet, but she has, and she's now doing everything in her power to keep this secret from coming out. In fact, she even used the term this week that she's doing everything she can to protect the family. Sound familiar? (laughs) You know, it sounds a little bit Victor-esque, I would say. Um, Nikki actually tries 
to get Scott to kill the book idea. She knows that Scott is just a little bit too close to a truth that she doesn't want the world to know. And I'm, I'm telling you, when she whipped out her stylish Louis Vuitton checkbook and was ready to write him a check to just go away, I thought, wow, that right there was the most Victor-esque move I have ever seen. I mean, that is exactly what we're seeing from, from, from Nikki now. She learned from Victor all of these years and now she's turning into him. Ooh, all that did was make Scott suspicious though, of course. it's And he even said that. I mean, it's obvious that you're trying, there's something that you don't want me to find out. Uh, but as when he, when he turned down the check, I was kind of surprised by how nasty she got. She turned nasty immediately with Scott and said if, you know, it was, well, Scott was trying to say, I work for Victor, not for you. I'll stop writing the book if he wants me to. And she said I, uh, I believe me, my husband will honor my wishes. Victor Newman may rule the world, but I rule this family. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Was that, I mean, that was a moment right there. It's such a change in the Nikki character. She is no longer satisfied to just sit in the passenger seat while Victor drives the car because Victor's driven the car right off of a cliff. It's 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 insane. I mean, honestly, I I like the strong version of Nikki, but I I I didn't mean for that to to be translated as Nikki becoming more Victor-esque. Um, I'm not sure if that's exactly the right path. But here's the thing. I think that I may have misjudged Scott's role in the whole secret about Victor's involvement with Chloe coming to light. I, at the very tail end of Friday's show, Scott had a secret meeting with his aunt, Christine, and it was very under the cover of night, very um, veiled language, but what I took from it was basically Scott revealing that he's really not a war reporter at all. Twist, shocking twist, he's a federal agent, or he's at least working, he was working with the feds on some, I don't know, undercover or whatever assignment um, the, the Genoa City or the feds would have going over in the Middle East, whatever. He's he's a free agent working for the U.S. government, not uh, a war reporter. Maybe he still kind of does that on the side, but uh, his real assignment or his main assignment was uh, was working for for the government. And Christine was there to to tell him that the feds want him to go on another assignment. And Scott was, I mean, he was immediately not. Uh, jumping at the idea of doing anything else for the government. In fact, he said, "No, I, I, I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna do what they want." And they did nothing to rescue me. I went out on a mission for them, and they left me. I mean, it was Victor Newman who rescued me. So in my mind, I keep thinking that maybe that is actually where his loyalty lies. Maybe in the end. Scott will end up 
protecting Victor when the truth comes out uh, because uh, maybe he you know sees it and we, we've always known like Scott has had this kind of tick about him there's been some sort of darkness there like we knew that there was a secret there and now if you think about it knowing that I mean that's like a military thing you don't leave a man out there to, to you, you you never leave a man behind and Scott feels as though he was left behind by the government the only person who did end up helping him and believed in him and took a chance on him was Victor so maybe when this whole thing blows up about Victor's involvement with Chloe, maybe Scott is going to think that he wants to save Victor's life the same way that Victor saved his life. Jack <laughs> smells blood in the water, and like a shark, he is circling around. Uh, Victor ends up leaving town this week. He takes a break from uh, all of the drama that happened last week with his family, and he appoints Abby as acting CEO of Newman Enterprises while he's gone. I... It's hard to watch Abby get so excited about this when I think we all know it's only temporary. Nikki called it. She said Victor pretty much is only promoting Abby because he's alienated all of his other children. That's exactly right. I mean, you know darn well he would much rather have left if given the choice the company in Victoria's hands or Adam's hands if he were alive or even Nick's hands if he were interested. Victor was testing the waters to find out which of his children actually wanted to take over the company for months and months now. Abby's the only one that stepped up, and so she is there in a power position for now. Now, Abby is Jack's niece. So as soon as he finds out about this, he's starting to chomp at the bit. He's knowing that something is going on with Victor. And after a conversation with Nikki, he kind of senses a change in her attitude, realizes that Victor is vulnerable right now. There's a rift in the family and the family is no longer going to be there to protect Victor from whatever hell Jack can unleash upon him. So Jack goes to Phyllis looking for an ally, seeing if she will, you know, wants to participate with him in taking Victor down once and for all. I was really surprised that Phyllis turned him down. Phyllis said, eh. It's not really for me. <laughs> Revenge against Victor. It always just ends up getting us all hurt. So I'm going to pass. I'm going to cheer you on, but I'm going to pass. Why can't Phyllis and Jack get on the same page about revenge against Victor at the same time? It was always Jack wanted revenge, but Phyllis was pulling him back. And then when it was Phyllis wanting revenge, it was Jack pulling her back and breaking up their marriage. And now we're back to Jack wanting revenge. And Phyllis says, nah, <laughs> these two people, <clears throat> why does Victor have to be the ultimate crux in their relationship. They they just end up letting it, letting it happen. Uh, so um, Jack's going to have to go at it alone. He's going to search for, um, you know, whatever the secret is and try to find out. He has started asking questions around town, very strategic questions. Uh, he talks to Nick. He talks to Chelsea. It's really only a matter of time before Jack connects the dots between Victor and Chloe, he's totally going to figure this out.
Reed's got a mean old mama who took his car away. <laughs> that was the funniest moment of the week, I think. Reed singing the blues. <laughs> Reed is singing the white rich boy blues. <laughs> read and I love YNR right now that was such a fun moment I mean I totally get where Victoria is coming from of course if she lets him keep the car then she compromises her position with Victor but if Victoria takes the car away from Reed then she's the uncool mom monster and Victor's the hero and that's kind of what ended up happening to her she takes the car away she's 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 the monster nobody probably even wants to accept that Victor bought the car weeks ago i'm sh i'm sure that he he knew the 16th birthday party was coming and he he said he bought the same car for Noah i mean i'm I, this is, I'm sure, I can't remember what he did for summer, but it was probably a car. I mean, it's not unusual for a grandparent who's fabulously wealthy to give a lavish, you know, gift and for the 16th birthday and a car makes sense. So I don't know. I, I don't think that Victor, I don't think that Victor gave Reed the car as a way to buy his love or to undermine the what was going on uh, in the family. I think he just wanted to give his grandson a car, but that's just me. Um, Reed, of course, doesn't understand any of this. Victoria has been under strict orders from General Nikki to not tell anyone anything about what happened with Victor. So she can't tell Reed the reason why he can't have the car, and she cannot tell Billy the reason either. So Billy is witnessing Victoria just, you know, from, you, taking away the car for seemingly no reason and then not talking to him about it. He keeps pestering her because they're developing a relationship here. I mean, they still are co-parents. They work together. Billy and Victoria are intertwined whether they like it or not. He's been there counseling her with her teenage son. He's becoming involved in Reed's life. It's natural that he would want to ask questions uh, not only to try to help heal the relationship between Victoria and Reed, but also to try to understand what Victoria is going through, why she's so tense, and to try to help her, even as a friend, as a, as a, you know, someone who cares about her. But the more Billy asks questions, the harder Victoria pushes him away, and she ends up <laughs> pushing him right into Phyllis's arms, right on to Phyllis's couch. <laughs> Naked on Phyllis's couch. <laughs> oh boy. I'm I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I mean, I, I've been asking for it, and then I got it, and I really liked it. <laughs> I feel that B Billy and, and Phyllis is a couple that I can just get behind. I just feel the chemistry. I just find them to be very exciting. I think the characters work. I think the actors work. It was very sexy. <laughs> I like seeing Phyllis 
happy. I mean, she seemed to feel really loved and relaxed in her moments with Billy this week. And she seemed empowered by the idea that they actually could make it work. Phyllis has been sitting on the sidelines watching him go back to Victoria, watching everybody else be happy and and get this relationship. I mean, she's been watching even Ashley and, and Ravi and pushing them together. She's been wanting to be the love connector. And now she gets a little bit of a glimpse of something for herself. And she seemed so relieved by it. It, it really played. I think um, Gina Tognoni did just a, a, a really commendable job at showing this transition of the character, uh, you know, from, from being all wound up and kind of tight and then being with Billy and just it feeling like everything kind of was working out and, and relaxed in her world. I I liked the vibe. And I mean, for Billy, too, I liked seeing Billy finally relaxed. I mean, it just it just worked for me. But the thing that bugged me, though, was that they had this uh, they had Billy and Phyllis had kind of decided or specifically Phyllis that they're single now. So even though they were having trouble making it work because it was forbidden when she was married to Jack, now they're both single. There's no reason why they can't be together. So then why are you acting like you're sneaking around as soon as Jack comes knocking on the door? If Billy and Phyllis are going to be together, and I hope that they are, I would so much rather see them own it. I mean, I'm sure that on some level, Phyllis was just not wanting to further cause a rift between the brothers. I mean, if Jack or if Bill, you know, if if Jack's in Phyllis's apartment talking to her about Victor and there's a knock on the door and he opens it up and it's his brother there for a booty call, it's going to cause problems for everybody. But then don't do it. I just would rather them either say we're together, we're doing this thing and you can like it or lump it. Or I would just rather them not do it at all. The other thing that I think has potential for ruin here is that Phyllis seems really vulnerable in the moments when Billy is talking about Victoria. She seems relaxed and happy when they're bonding, we'll call in quotes, bonding together. (laughs) Uh, But then you can see her uh, tighten up and pull away as soon as he starts talking about Victoria because in Phyllis's mind, who he really loves is Victoria. She doesn't want to be the side girl. And I think she also wants, Phyllis also wants to protect herself against getting hurt again. Um, and, and Billy says to Phyllis, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm done with Victoria. I like being with you because I can breathe with you. I can be myself with you. And I felt that from Billy's perspective. I think he's been walking on eggshells with Victoria because that's kind of what being with Victoria requires for months at this point, and I mean, and, and if you look at it over time, probably years, he's always feeling like he's going to screw something up, which probably makes him end up screwing up. But with with Phyllis, he feels very relaxed. And I thought that, you know, that made sense to me. But I do think that Billy still loves Victoria. And I'm 
concerned about Phyllis fully giving herself over to him. I think that's what she wants to do. I think she wants to give herself over to Billy, but Billy definitely still has an eye on Victoria, whether he wants to admit it or not. He can swear all day long, up and down, that he's over Victoria, but I, I just don't think he is. And of course, of course, right as, I mean, what, moments after Billy and Phyllis sleep together, Victoria realizes her mistake. She talks to Nikki and, uh, is, uh, and Nikki helps her accept the fact that she's falling back in love with Billy and she goes to Billy, Victoria goes to Billy, apologizes for a mistake, uh, for her mistake, and is finally, I think, Victoria being honest about herself and her feelings about Billy. I think Victoria has been trying very hard to push those feelings deep down for a long time now, and she finally comes to the moment of accepting how she feels, just as, as Billy is moving on. So now he doesn't accept her apology. He, he tells her, you know what? No, forget it. I'm, I'm, we're going to be co-parents and co-workers, but I'm done walking on eggshells, you know, with you. And that, of course, broke Victoria's heart. Victoria is very vulnerable in this moment. It's not that, you know, if it hadn't, if it hadn't been for the secret she was keeping with Victor, she, you know, they, they probably would have continued the, the tract of their relationship and Victoria and Billy probably would have gotten back together. And now just as Victoria is opening up and coming to, it's, you know, she's vulnerable and she's going to get her heart broken. I just, I, I, I worry about this. I, I feel like heartbreak is right around the corner for one if not all of these people I mean I I, I it concerns me the way Billy flip flops back and forth between Billy and Victoria he was very in love with Phyllis and then all of a sudden he was convinced that he was back in love with Victoria and now all of a sudden he's done with Victoria I mean on a on a dime and going back to Phyllis and saying no I'm done with it see I just I feel I'm concerned that sleeping with Phyllis was more of a knee-jerk reaction for him because he had been hurt by Victoria. And I just don't want to see anybody or everybody getting hurt in the end. And I think that's what's going to happen. Oh, I don't know. Besides, anyway, Billy's going to have a, like a new child to think about. Can you even believe it? I mean, honestly, in some ways, even though the, sh the show this week was so very exciting, the preview for next week's show was like the, one of the most exciting things about it. We have this out of nowhere preview of Billy and I guess Kevin receiving a letter that Chloe is voicing over telling them that she stole Billy sperm and that Bella is Billy's child. I mean, I'm, I'm blown back by this. I don't know what to make of it. It's weird because I keep hearing that Elizabeth Hendrickson is maybe gone for now, but that she's going to come back sooner rather than later. But I don't know. This doesn't this seem like kind of a quickie ending for the Chloe character. She just sends, I mean, she's been trying to keep this paternity secret forever and she just sends a letter out of nowhere with the actress reading it like green screen on, you know, I just, it, it, it just does. I don't know. This isn't exactly how I wanted this secret to come out. And I don't even know if I believe it. I mean, she's, she's telling Billy that he's Bella's father, but I just, I don't know. Part of me just is still hoping that Bella turns out to be Kevin's. Billy has enough kids.
Lily and Juliet are getting along famously. Um, Kane and Juliet, not so much. It's very awkward between them. I, I, I'm thinking that Juliet is a little sneaky this week. I tell you what, I thought it was interesting that she planned that trip for Lily and Jordan. She sent them off to Philadelphia for, I don't know, whatever, some promo tour, marketing promo tour for Brash and Sassy. And in a way, she's kind of getting them out of the way together. She's setting them up to be together. And that makes me think maybe she is trying to create a rift in Lily and Kane's relationship. So she isolates them, sends them off to, you know, possibly have romance bloom while she's at home with Kane. And they're, you know, she's trying to talk to him talk to Kane this week and trying to ease his mind saying, you know, uh, what happened wasn't a big deal. Uh, I wish you would stop focusing on it. Are you gonna try to make me feel awkward about our one night stand for the entire time that I work here? I mean, isn't that really clever? The way she spun it on him. If, if she did all of this intentionally, slept with Kane intentionally or set it up to look that way, then don't you think it's really clever the way she then is spinning it on him and saying, why are you making me feel awkward about it? I mean, it's just, she it's it, she's really quite genius if, if that is all her plan. Um, Kane agrees to try to let it go, to try to forget it. I'm sure he won't. Uh, and then Victoria asks uh, Juliet, if she wants to go out and have drinks, get to know each other better. And there's this moment where Kane thinks, oh my gosh, they're going to be drinking together. Is Juliet going to let something slip? Is she going to tell Victoria about our affair? And I, it didn't end up being that way at all. I was concerned about Juliet saying something. It ended up being Victoria, who was the loose-lipped one. Uh, she started ripping into men. I mean, going on about men in general when we all know she's just talking about Billy and I felt so so bad for Victoria uh, in that moment she <laughs> I laughed though when she got home and Reed discovered that she was completely smashed <laughs> it was really funny I mean I know it's inappropriate but it's I, Amelia Heinley plays drunk so very well <laughs> I, I can there, there have been probably a handful of times where Victoria has been drunk on screen and it's always kind of hilarious. I just like seeing this tightly wound Victoria drunk and a little bit loose. <laughs> I think she should drink more often. Uh, she's way more fun that way. I probably should have mentioned this before, but I'm just going to quickly slip it in here that Neil and Devon officially formed the Hamilton Winters group this week. So we have a new company that's coming up in town. Um, I can, Devon is going to be focusing on music and specifically artist development. So I'm assuming that means he's going to be uh, just offering Tessa a record deal. Uh, and then I suppose that Neil is going to be working on acquisitions and investments in other companies. And so I don't know what that means for him. Like, I kind of get where Devon's going to be in the company, but I don't get what Neil's going to be doing. I, I 
like the idea of let's build our own legacy. Why should we work for the Newmans or the Abbots? We can do this on our own, Hamilton and Winters. I think that is really valuable. I think it has a lot of potential. And I can, again, see how Devon is going to connect in with the rest of Genoa City. But I hope this isn't just going to keep Neil isolated. Who's he going to invest in? Who's he going to acquire? As promised, I am saving the best for last. <laughs> Ashley and Ravi's big trip in New York City. <laughs> I loved it so much. This is probably my favorite part of the week. Ashley and Ravi were a smash success at the big conference and they've been hanging out in the hotel restaurant and decide, you know what? Let's, this, we're in New York. Let's not hang out here. Let's go grab some like low-key greasy takeout and I love that idea, them just kind of hanging out on the streets of NYC, Ashley doing something that's that's a little more lowbrow. <laughs> Oh, and and Ravi getting to show her like some things that he's experienced in New York. It just it puts Ashley in a new, more youthful light. And then along comes Mr. Billionaire, right? Okay, this is basically Ashley's usual type. The guy who she would normally go for. He's wildly he's basically a wildly successful jerk. Um and that's what she likes. That's who she goes for. That's the Victor archetype. Um, he tells her that he wants to discuss some business with her and maybe a little pleasure. He's recently single. So she ditches, ditches the plans with Ravi to go with Mr. Billionaire, which broke my heart. I mean, I can kind of understand that Ashley thought it would be good for networking for the business, but she kind of dropped Ravi right in front of, right, in, you know, just right in front of Ravi breaking his heart and it's I was just really sad for him in that moment and then to watch Ashley sit there and have dinner with this billionaire guy who's more interested in his phone and texting than he is her. I, I mean, like, and I'm sure the entire time she's sitting here thinking, this guy is a total jerk. I could be out with Ravi right now. He's, at the very least, she's seeing him as a friend and somebody fun to hang out with, and instead she's stuck with this guy. I loved the way she texted him to tell him he'd been ditched. You can just order some dinner for me. I'm gone. I mean, he barely noticed that she got up and left the table. I mean, Ashley deserves more than that. And I think she was realizing in that moment that she deserved more than that. She goes back to where Ravi has invited a couple of his friends to the, to the restaurant and he's trying to make alternate plans. Of course, he's just thinking about Ashley the entire time and his friends know it. Everybody knows that he's smitten with with Ashley and she comes walking by and joins them and ends up having a really good time with Ravi and his friends and it was so relaxed and they're just having wine and beer and it was fun to see her interacting in that environment. I, I really really loved that and then oh uh, yay we're in New York of course Ashley's gonna have breakfast the next morning 
with Tracy. Yay! I love Tracy. I didn't even expect her there. I didn't even think about that fact. I, or I think she mentioned getting together with Tracy, but I assumed it was going to be off camera. But no, Tracy makes her entrance and she's talking with Ashley and she picks up right away on the fact that Ravi's adorable and that he would possibly be something, someone that Ashley could have a relationship with. And Tracy, like, leave it to her to always be so insightful. She had this line when trying talking to Ashley and trying to convince her to go for it, where she, she says to Ashley, maybe, Ashley, you haven't found the right man because our father was so amazing and no man can really measure up to that. I was just blown away with how insightful that comment was by Tracy. She really zeroed in on maybe what Ashley's whole problem with men is. Maybe she always picks the billionaire jerk guy because she knows that he's not going to live up to the standard of the father. Or maybe she hopes that he will and then is crushed. But I mean, I can completely see that. I mean, knowing the relationship that Ashley had with John and how much she looked up to him. I just, I, I, wow. I mean, it just, she, she, she really peeled away the layers on her sister in that moment and then told Ashley, why don't you go for Ravi? Why don't you just have fun and see what happens? And she says to her, rejoice in the world, Ashley. What a great line. Rejoice in the world. You know, you don't have to, you know, analyze this into the ground. Just go with Ravi. <laughs> and I thought that she was immediately going to do that. Now, of course, Mr. Big Bucks comes back and, t and apologizes to Ashley for everything that happened last night. Says, you know, he has a decent excuse. He's, he's recently divorced. He was texting because of some crap that's going down with his ex-wife and his kid. Uh, and he asks Ashley to give him a second chance. Well, hell no. Ashley's not going to do that. This time, she's going to pick the plans with Ravi. They're going to the opera. No two ways about it. She's already crammed herself into that dress. <laughs> She's going to the opera in that dress. <laughs> what do you guys think about that dress? My goodness, I don't think it. I mean, it was like skin. She was just wearing skin dress. <laughs> Oh, she looked beautiful. Ravi looked dashing. Um, I thought it was it was wonderful. And then after the show, we see them going back to their separate hotel rooms. My, my prediction was wrong on that one, that they were going to have to share a room. They go back to their separate hotel rooms, which happened to be right across <laughs> from one another, just right across the hall. And instead of going into their separate rooms, they share a surprise kiss. <laughs> I'm almost blushing right now just thinking about it. It was so, so sweet. And they both really went for it. I think, I mean, Ashley really went in. She grabbed the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, I mean, his, he was like, uh, like his heart was probably fluttering. <laughs> I mean, he was, I, I could, I, you could almost um, reimagine that scene and do a long shot and Robbie's feet are like a foot off the ground. I mean, you know, he was probably just floating on air with happiness. This is his little dreams come true, but they, they decide 
<laughs> to not push it further. I mean, they could have easily just gone right into one, one or other of the hotel rooms, but they just have this kiss and they part ways. Now, later, neither one of them can sleep, so they're, they both end up back downstairs at the hotel restaurant, and it's kind of awkward between them. Now, I, I'm I'm not mad about it. I, I like this story because that's kind of what would happen in reality. I, you've, you've, you've gone through this process of, of yes, no, yes, no, when it comes to each other, especially from Ashley, and then you have a little bit of a yes. It feels a little bit weird. You don't want to step all over the friendship. I like that they didn't just jump into bed together, and then Y&R was showing us that it's, it's like relationships aren't just clean and pretty, and now they're just together, and they're there's a neat little bow on it. They're down there in the restaurant. It's kind of weird between them, and they have legitimate concerns about what's going to happen next, and they don't really get a chance to fully discuss it because Mr. Big Stuff comes back, and he crashes the party saying, what, Ashley, you'd rather hang out with this geeky guy than hang out, than come be with me? And Ravi just tells him off. Ravi does not even pull any punches. He just, like, digs into this guy in like in not even an inappropriate way like I loved the way Ravi told him off it wasn't like vicious or like inappropriate or loud Ravi just subtly read him like you know you think you're pretty great but Ashley deserves better than you first of all and second of all what are you looking down upon guys like me I mean yeah I'm not a billionaire but without guys like me you wouldn't be a billionaire you can't run your company without tech guys like me. You don't know how to do anything. So just step back, Mr. Billionaire. It's time for guys like me to get the girl. And I think it is. I just, I loved it. I just, I liked seeing Ravi stand up for her. I liked seeing Ravi stand up for himself. And I liked seeing Ashley positioned right in the middle, in a way, kind of seated in between her the two types of men. And in a way, it was like kind of like Ashley sitting in between the type of man that she would have dated in the past and the type of man that she's considering dating in the future. I have a theory. Alien abduction. <laughs> I liked that line from last week's show. It was a little bit funny. Plus, I mean, it's like you just don't expect to hear anyone say the phrase alien abduction in any given week of YNR. Uh, but it was Phyllis who said that last week. She said it to Scott, uh, trying to, uh, to share her theory on what happened to Chloe. Alien abduction seems like a, a likely culprit. Uh, let's see, 10 people got that one right. My goodness, a lot of you guys. John Christopher, Henry, Jillian, and, oh wait, no, nine, because I had two from Jillian. Nine people got it right. Um, Nancy got it right, as well as Ambreen, Sandra, Tanya, Marion, and Julie. <laughs> well done, you guys. Nice catch. I, I really like the line that I have for you for this week. If you, if, I don't know if you caught it uh, or if you can guess who would have said it, but um, the quote is, my love life is currently a chemical spill. I just think that creates such a great visual. Like, you can almost see it. <laughs> 
in a way. My love life is currently a chemical spill. I just, I think the writing is so very good right now, and that's, a, I, I like that one. If you think you know who said that, though, you can go to yrchat.com and leave me your guess. Of course, if you get it right, I will give you your props on next week's YNR Chat. Oh, I love reading your comments. This is a really insightful one from Lot Folly, who um, left a comment at yrchat.com about Ashley and Ravi saying, I think Hawkman, the billionaire guy, served as a stand-in for the YNR audience, especially for those of us who saw Ravi as an awestruck puppy dog and didn't think he could be a match for Ashley romantically. Hawkman voiced all of our skepticism and gave the writers a chance to show us that Ravi Ravi can be his own person, smart, strong, and articulate. It was a clever way for them to change our perceptions of Ravi, and it worked for me. Yeah, wow! I, 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 I really love that. I hadn't thought about it that way. I think probably because I was pretty well on Team Ravi uh, pr pretty quickly. But, you know, I mean, it does make sense the way you said that, because it still almost feels like Ravi is a little bit of a puppy dog. But the way he presented himself and equalized himself with the billionaire guy, that, that did kind of change the way that Ashley and maybe the viewers uh, will see Ravi now. Uh, Tony at YRChat.com left me a comment to say uh, that she read I'll Be Damned, Eric's book, Eric Braden's book, as an audiobook, and it is narrated by Eric Braden. I want this. I, 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 I wish I would have got the audiobook version. Why didn't I? Because hearing him say it would be so much more of an interesting experience. Although I think his voice does come through in the book. I, oh gosh, I got to download that because I, I just, I'm imagining now all of the cool things that have, that I've seen and read about in the book. Um, hearing him say it would just be a dream. <laughs> By the way, we um, did a poll last Last week, and I asked you guys if you were feeling any sympathy for Victor. We know that he did a bad, bad thing, but 67% of you said, yeah, you know what? He knows what he did. He's suffering the consequences. That was my feeling about it, too. And a lot of people said that it's really kind of Eric Braden who creates a little bit of sympathy. It's like when he cries, they cry. That's how I am. It's like when that man sheds a tear, that's how I know that I should be talking. That or that I should be crying. Uh, that and the YNR theme song are the two things that are my cues, like my Pavlovian cues that I need to start crying. Uh, but I will say... 33% of you said, no way, I don't have any sympathy for Victor. It ran out a long time ago. And I liked this comment from Nathan on YouTube, who says, um, what amazes me about this whole mess with Victor uh, is, that the, is that the family didn't seem to have any problem with him bringing Marco to town, uh, which caused the deaths of his granddaughter's husband and his grandson-to-be's wife. But now they're all up in arms because of Adam, who none of them could stand. 
that's a really strong point. Why is it that the family chose to make this the thing that they could could no longer tolerate? And you make you make a good point. I mean, I think if we're talking about the horrible things that Victor Newman has done, you have to say Marco bringing him onto the scene was was far worse than than Chloe. I, I think that what happened with Chloe and knowing that she murdered Adam has a more direct effect on Victor and his life. But but certainly the fact that Marco ended up killing uh, what was now who is it? So the deaths of uh, Victor's granddaughter's husband that would be Austin and his grandson's soon to be wife um, that would be Courtney. So I mean yeah two people lost their lives for Marco. Why is it that their family didn't zero in on that? Um, I don't know. Gina left me a voicemail saying that she is loving strong Nikki. And Anna left me a voicemail even at the beginning of the week saying, this is Nikki turning into Victor. Uh, yeah, I think that is what, what we're seeing. I, I really love strong Nikki too. I just kind of wish that that weren't being translated as just turning into Victor. I want to see a strong Nikki that's not necessarily an underhanded Nikki, but then, I don't know, maybe that wouldn't be as interesting to watch. Uh, Daisy on Facebook says... Tessa has been making plans with Nikki a lot lately. I wonder if Nikki's wake-up call, uh, if that will be Nikki's wake-up call. Nikki didn't even do a background check on Tessa. She just hired her twice. Not that she's done anything yet, but I think that Tessa will somehow cause Nikki some pain, and Victor will have to swoop in and help her pick up the pieces. That's a pretty good prediction. I don't want Tessa to be too terrible of a bad girl, but it's possible that Tessa will do something unknowingly even that causes Nikki some trouble. But yeah, there has to be a redeeming point in this relationship with Victor and his family. It's not going to continue into infinity. Ultimately, something is going to have to reunite the family and a wild card like Tessa might be exactly what does it. Gary left me a voicemail, and I hope I'm interpreting what you were saying correctly, because Gary seems, you know, Nikki seems okay to me. Her manner hasn't set off any warning bells. She seems like she's coping well enough that she wouldn't be pushing buttons for everyone she comes into contact with. I hope that I'm interpreting what you're saying, Gary, correctly, because if so, that it's connecting into something that I was feeling, which is, why is it that... Nikki's behavior and conversation with Jack is what made him realize something was wrong in the Newman family. Nikki hasn't really, to the outside world, been seeming all that different. Is it? I, I'm hoping that that's what you're saying, because if so, then it's not just me. I mean, I think that Nikki is having a little bit of a change of her attitude that would be perceptible, but I'm not sure why Jack took that as some kind of irrefutable evidence that something is going on with the family. That didn't, I don't know, that was just, to me, seemed a little um, out of left field, maybe. Mary Ann at YRChat.com says, Nick 
has inherited a greater role on YNR, resulting from the departures of Dylan and Adam. Nick was always the muscle of the family. Now he's become more investigative, like Dylan, and quieter, more cerebral and calculating, like Adam. During the last few years or few writing regimes, Nick has taken a storyline back seat to both Adam and Dylan. I feel that Nick has done a better job of filling the void left by those two characters than returnee Scott. Maybe Scott is more of a stitch replacement after all. Well, that is incredibly perceptive, Marianne, when it comes to talking about Nick's character filling the void with Adam and Dylan. Yes. Wow. I mean, and, and, and it's a good opportunity for Joshua Morrow to be something more than, as you put it, the muscle. That is kind of what he was. That, that's what Nick did. Nick comes into a room and he punches you. <laughs> and now we're seeing something much, much different from him. And I quite like it a lot. Now, as to whether or not Scott is going to be able to jump in and be something more meaty? I don't know. We seem to be seeing a little bit of a shift in what his story actually is. Maybe we'll get to build on that. I hope so because I, I, I think Scott's okay, but I haven't been sold on him completely yet. Sharita at YRChat.com says, I personally hope the child is Billy's. I'm tired of Kevin being saddled to Chloe's craziness. <laughs> I know, I know. I guess the thing is, when it comes to Bella's paternity, I think, like, in my mind, I think of it more as Kevin having a good relationship with Bella, not necessarily with Chloe. Certainly, either of these guys, whoever turns out to be the father, could file for full custody, right? I mean, Chloe, she's got to go away, at least to a mental institution for murder, um, unless they're not able to convict her. I don't know. But uh, you make a good point. I just think that Ke I like Kevin and the idea that he has a little sidekick. <laughs> uh, Connor at YRT. Chat.com says, is it me or do I now want Billy and Victoria back together? I mean, seeing how Victoria felt after being rejected by Billy really broke my heart. I don't agree with how she treated him, but that didn't give Billy any justification to run to Phyllis. Still not a fan of that, by the way, Connor says. And Phyllis thinks now is the perfect time to start a relationship with Billy. Um, I'll pass. <laughs> I know, right? I just wish there was a little more space between Billy getting over Victoria and hooking up with Phyllis. That's my personal opinion. But I know there are still a lot of, um, of Victoria and Billy fans out there. So we'll keep an eye. I mean, it's definitely a triangle that's developing. We'll see. We'll see where the heat really lies, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. Jamie and Isabel left me a voice note to let me know they are Team Philly all the way. <laughs> um, and also, Jamie made an interesting point um, saying that she had gone back on YouTube and watched some of the older uh, Michelle Stafford, I think you were even saying from the 90s, uh, scenes. And um, Jamie was kind of predicting that maybe it was just that Michelle Stafford's version of Phyllis is who had the chemistry with Jack. Uh, and Jamie was saying that it seems like it's this Phyllis specifically and this Billy specifically that makes the relationship work and makes it feel kind 
kind of new. I like that and I agree. I think that's what it is. I feel like I'm supposed to want this Billy and this Victoria to work, but maybe it was the chemistry between the original actors that that really worked. I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes, yeah, I mean, we end up with recasts and yet we're still kind of stuck with the baggage of the previous storylines. I'm sure it's all hard to make work. Um, but you know what I say, like Harper left me this voicemail saying that um, I'm not on the Victoria and Billy train, but I'm not on the Phyllis and Billy train either. I can't get over the fact that, that she's been the, the sleeping with your brother-in-law thing. <laughs> I just want Billy to find someone else. I mean, Billy and Phyllis are always going to be tainted by the affair. It's going to be hard for them to to walk out and be straight-faced about any relationship that they're going to have because they're going to get stank eye from Jack and stank eye from Victoria. Uh, Zuperplex left me a comment at yrchat.com saying, Victoria Newman, crestfallen, if you were forgiving, as if you were as forgiving for Travis's indiscretions as you were for Belly's, you would not be in this pickle in the first place. <laughs> why? Why? I mean, she she did. She she totally blew off Travis for having an affair. Of course, I guess they were together at the time, but here we go. She's gonna find out that Billy and Phyllis slept together. I'm sure of it. And she's going to feel, like you say, crestfallen over that. Now, I also really like um, Zuperplex's comment. It was it's so short at yrchat.com, but it completely turned my uh, perspective here. Zuperplex says that that Juliet can really hold her liquor. As soon as I read that comment, it was like, I, a dawn. It's something, it just dawned on me and it hadn't before that, yes. The fact that Juliet went out with Victoria, let Victoria get all drunk, it was the same thing she did to Kane. It shows us right before our very eyes and in the light of what happened in the past that Juliet is capable of keeping control while she's drinking and letting somebody else make a fool of themselves. And that right there makes me doubt her story when it comes to what happened between her and Kane. I'm kind of wondering if maybe what Juliet wants is a power position at Brash and Sassy and if she can find a way to knock out Kane or even Victoria from the top spot. I think she'll do it. She comes off as power hungry for me. Uh, Beatrice left me uh, some voicemails. She was really, really loving Ashley and Ravi. I got a kick out of that. But I also like Beatrice's comment at yrchat.com saying, I love, love, love the scenery they are doing these days, making Genoa City look like an actual city. We've got to talk about that because, um, first of all, uh, we have so we have like the new restaurant set. We had the new movie set. Um, one moment that I just thought was particularly lovely was on the balcony at Summer's apartment, which is apparently now Phyllis's apartment. Billy and Phyllis had this moment where they walk out into the balcony and the wind is blowing in Phyllis's hair and you can almost see them looking out on Genoa City. I thought that was beautiful and interesting. Um, and then another this is not a new set but you know speaking to Beatrice's point of feeling like Genoa City is a real city I liked that Sharon and Mariah's conversation about Scott was happening at Crimson Light's closing time 
Have we ever seen crimson lights not like in the dark? Have we ever seen crimson lights closed and it's not like a private party or something? I don't think so. I, it felt more fluid, like Sharon was actually owning this business and actually closing the doors and walking out for the night. I just, I thought that was such, it's such a small thing, but somebody said, you know what, let's make this scene at closing time. And it totally worked. I thought that was just fantastic. Um, what are some other new sights and sounds. I mean, we're getting all of this, this uh, just feeling of Genoa City. Um, and I, I, I'm just so happy with it. Um, Diana had left me a comment at yrchat.com saying that she thinks YNR's listening to the fans now and specifically listening to us YNR chatters. I, I, I think that they are. I really, really do. I, I, I think that's what's maybe different about this regime. I think they are taking the time to look probably at social media and all this other stuff to find out what people are saying, what are people asking for, and giving it to them. I mean, what a novel idea, listening to the fans and giving them what they want. I'm loving the show right now. I know you guys are loving it too. I've gotten a lot of excited comments this past week. I can't wait to see the poll results on that. I, I So many people were really digging Ashley and Ravi this week, so I wonder if Ashley and Ravi are going to emerge as our favorite couple of the week. Or, I mean, there are a lot of strong Billy and Phyllis fans out there. There are a lot of people who've been asking for this couple to be reunited, and it's actually happening. And I'm sure Sharon and Scott are kind of a dark horse, but it could have potential. Who knows? I mean, they had a date this week. So I'm super excited to read the comments and see the poll results uh, for this week. That is at yrchat.com, by the way, which is where you can also leave other text comments, or if you would prefer, you can go to Facebook or YouTube, um, or you could call into the voicemail at 309-588-4569. I read and love and digest every single comment that you guys send me. One thing I always keep uh, meaning to say, though, is that I pull comments uh, and organize them for the weekly YNR chat on Saturday morning. So even though like, I get every comment, if you comment after Saturday morning, like between the Saturday afternoon and, and Sunday when I post the chat, uh, I won't have gotten that comment in time to do the current chat. Um, it's just I'm always trying to juggle and it's like I'm doing everything earlier and earlier to work around baby's schedule and getting everything up and posted and recorded and edited and posted by 11 a.m. on Sunday. I got to start early. <laughs> so, uh, so if you want to get a comment in for me to consider for um, the, the current week's show. Just um, leave that before Saturday morning. Um, and But leave them anytime because I, I read them and I love them and I'll be back next week <laughs> to talk about YNR. Okay, you guys, I love you and I'll see you then. Bye!